Gracious Heavenly Father, we pray that our ears would be open, that our eyes would see and understand Lord, that our hearts would be softened, and Lord, that we would put aside any fears, we would put aside any agenda. In fact, Father, that we would put ourselves aside and make room for you on the throne of our heart, for you to lead, for you to shape, for you to mold, and cause us, Father, to not be merely hearers of your word, but doers of it. For your name's sake, to your glory, amen. So it may seem like uh, either a long time, depending on how you view uh, sermon series. Uh, it's been a while since we started the book of Acts. I think it's been a pretty incredible ride. Uh, I enjoy watching as Saul persecuting Christians for the way, uh, as God maneuvers, manipulates, as he gets into people's life, as he brings uh, Saul to conversion then becoming this great orator, uh, this prophet to the Gentiles, and how that in and of itself leads to where we find him today, which is in prison, in Rome. Many of you probably have even thought with your own life, right? It started out, and maybe you were from a small town, and maybe you didn't go to a big school, and maybe you got a, a little scholarship at a Division three school, right? And you were kind of big time in town, and you were kind of big time at Division three, and you thought, man, when am I going to grow up and be big time? When are people going to know me, right? When, are, when am I going to be respected for my education and where I'm from and what I accomplish? And some of you have reached many of those milestones, but I'm always humbled by Paul's story. Because in chapters 26, 27, and 28, we think, oh, Paul's going to get what's coming to him. I mean, the good stuff. <laughs> and he gets shipwrecked <laughs> and beaten again and thrown in prison. And we think, God, when, when is it going to come together? I mean, he's been sacrificing. He's been doing what you want. When, when is he going to get the glory? See, Paul's not. Paul's not going to get the glory. And that's the point. He spends two years in his own house. Now, let me just explain a little bit of procedure for you. A Roman citizen, which Paul was could appeal to Caesar. He appeals to Caesar, he gets sent to Rome. Normally, while waiting, waiting to be in front of Caesar and appeal your case or make your case, you would sit in jail. Rome would pay for it. But they made provision. If you wanted to pay for your own digs, if you wanted to go in your own house, rent your own place, you could do that. You could pay to be outside. And this is what Paul does. Paul takes it upon himself and says, how about with great sacrifice while I'm waiting to appeal to Caesar, I will live outside of the prison. I will invite people over. And for two years, people come constantly to hear Paul talk. Guards, every four hours are rotating through his house because he's under arrest. Those guards throughout history have been shown in certain towns and certain places after have spent four, year, or four hours with Paul, converted and sent to their next assignment. And the gospel spread. 
See, it's not how we thought it should have been done. Well, let's let Paul be free of change and, and move all the different places. He's a great preacher. He's a great... No, God said, no, I want him located right here. I want people to come in, and then I want those people to go. You see, that's the difference. He wanted them to go. And see, the old model in Jewish religion is that everyone just comes to the synagogue and they don't go anywhere, they don't share it with anyone because the belief is, wait a minute, you're just Jewish. This is what you do. We don't need to reach out to anyone. And in fact, this is why the Jews had a problem. Why is he talking to the Gentiles? They're not like us. Oh, okay, well, if God's made provision for them and he wants the Gentiles to become believers, well, they better look Jewish. They better dress like us and act like us. They better all get circumcised like us. That's not God's plan. It's never been God's plan. This is not words that come from Paul as if he were the original prophet of the words you heard this morning. Let me... Let me let you hear these words from Isaiah chapter 6. Go tell this people, Isaiah, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving, make the heart of this people calloused, make their eyes, ears dull, that close their eyes, otherwise they might see with their ears, hear with, sorry, see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. This is what Paul quotes. You know who that indictment is against? It's against believers. It's not against the outside world. It's not against unbelievers. It's not against people from other faiths. It's about and to believers, New Testament believers in Jesus Christ. It's to us today. This indictment from the prophet is to us. How so? Don't tell me you've never heard a portion of the Word of God and go, well, I bet that's historical context. It probably doesn't apply to me today. <laughs> or, well, I, I just, that's just over my head, and, and I'm sure that God would not hold it against me because I don't understand it, so I'll just keep doing what I'm doing. Or maybe, maybe you go... That is not what my previous pastor said about those passages. So I am not going to change in any way. I'm going to do just how I grew up and what I learned and what I read. Here's the indictment. Fine. Be hearing. But you'll never understand. Go ahead and read it. You won't perceive a thing. Your heart will be calloused. Your eyes and ears will be dull and closed. The indictment is, if you think for a moment, you can tell God what to do. If you think for a moment, you can say to God, I want this part of Scripture, but not this. This is too hard for me to believe or accept. This is too difficult for me to put into practice. The indictment is against us. Now, lest you think, well, that was Old Testament, that was to the Jews, to awaken them, to arouse them, to say, hey, there is faith for other people. Yes, you're correct. God has always used this passage of Scripture to wake believers up. Jesus, Matthew, 
chapter 13, in the parable of the sower. The same day Jesus went out the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. What's the implication, Jesus says in this parable? He says, if you have ears and eyes that are open, you'll hear my word, and I'll guarantee you produce a crop. A hundred, sixty, thirty times. Now, you may not come from a farming background, but let me tell you, any farmer would be ecstatic about a 30-fold crop. Okay? I mean, that's unheard of. 60, 100, you get the point? If you're hearing and if you're seeing God's word, you will produce a crop. Therefore, if you're not producing a crop, your eyes are closed and your ears are are deaf. There's no middle ground. Well, how, well, how do I know if I'm producing any fruit? Well, do you cuss less than you used to? How many of you are in that boat? You actually cuss less than you used to. Thank you, brothers and sisters. You, you got a heart right here. How many of you drive the speed limit more often than you don't? Nice to see that one of our police officers actually obeys the law. <laughs> Here, it's, I don't make this stuff up, folks. I just read it. We just preach it. We, we listen to it and go, hey, if you're not producing fruit in abundance, well, I mean, I'm in church more often than I'm not. Well, good for you. What crop is that producing? Are people more forgiven around you because your heart has changed and you give them opportunity to be blessed by you? Do you pray over them more often? Do you actually extend a measure of grace and peace and mercy? Do the people around, is your world better because of you as a Christian in it? Are the people better, your family better, your kids better? And I don't mean perfect. We're not talking perfection. We're talking, are you better? Are you producing fruit? The disciples came to him and said, um, why do you speak to the people in parables? He replies, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and who will have, you will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding, ever seeing never perceiving. From this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, turn, and I would heal them. But they're not healed because they haven't turned. Now, I don't mean that you have cancer and you're going to have cancer because you haven't confessed your sins. I mean, in the big overarching picture of, is your heart turned and aligned with Jesus Christ? That means you're hearing and perceiving. 
If you're fighting God, if you're against God, if you're lukewarm, then you're not hearing and you're not seeing. He wants better for you in your marriage. Husbands, he wants you to die to yourself. Get over yourself, get over your name, get over your wants and your desires, and die. And say, wife, what do you need? Well, I need you home. Well, then get your butt home. And I need friends to forgive. Then why don't you start leading out with forgiveness? Producing fruit. Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. What is he saying? Look at that cross and you will understand. Look at it. That cross where Jesus Christ died, your sin was placed upon him. When God turned his back on him, Jesus yelled out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It means why have you turned your back on me? At that moment in time, only Jesus Christ has ever experienced what it truly means to have God turn his back, to be alone like none of us will ever experience. And when they buried his body in the tomb, everybody said, well, he paid for sin, but big whoop. But three days later, when he comes from the grave and he is alive, then people go, I saw with my eyes. I remember what I heard. And he's brought life. And not just for eternity, but for now. And so he says, produce a crop. Produce a fruit. Let's see it. Not because it earns you more salvation. Not because God gets a really big kick out of it. But because that's what Christians do. They produce fruit. Or else it gets taken, burns up, birds take, choked out. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word, understands it, and produces a crop. There's no middle ground. We are either Christians that produce crops or we will be burned like chaff. And this congregation will either produce fruit or it will be burned like chaff. And you and your families will either produce fruit or be burned like chaff. It's not meant to scare you. It's meant to embolden us. This is the same message that Paul teaches to those in Rome. And it says that he did so boldly. Boldly. And without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the kingdom of God? That God came in flesh and lived amongst us. And here he says, I want you to live. I want you to produce a crop until I get back to take you home. But I'm in the flesh. I want you to be in the flesh. And I want you to be me in flesh to them. And this isn't people that look like us and sound like us. No, it is to your neighbors. 
It is to the people that you work with. Got an email from one of our members. Hey, have you met a member across the street from you? She's really struggling. I said, yeah, we've met her. We're, we're trying to work some ways in. And she's like, well, maybe I'll pray. Maybe I'll continue. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. We got her hemmed in from the east and from the west. I don't care if the member across or the, the neighbor across the street ever comes to church. That's not my goal. My goal is to love her and her son who cannot get out of the house because of his injury, who has recently come to faith and wants to know more about the scriptures. You don't think God's in control? You don't think God, that's what God wants? The kid on your soccer team that always shows up late? And you're always going, man, I wish parents could get their kids here on time. And then you start to think, I wonder what's going on at home with that kid. And so you get off your butt one practice. You actually walk over to this car because the mom never gets out. And you just say, hey, I, are you okay? And my guess is she'll burst into tears and talk about how hard her life is. And God will have sent you at that moment to be Jesus with skin on. And by God, the kingdom of God is present in you. Let's be hearing. Let's be seeing. The kingdom of God is present. He is alive and he is active and he is calling us to be his hands and his feet. And no longer can we sit. No longer can we just give in. No longer can we say, well, what's comfortable? No, he's going to push us and challenge us. We're asking you to read a book during the Advent season. You'll hear a story in there. This was a conference I went to in, in uh, August. I heard this story from the author of that book who was teaching. He decided to be flesh to their neighbors, to their families, to their friends. And they said, you know, it's going to cost us a lot, but we need to do this. This is how God is moving. So I want to paint you this picture that he shares. And that picture is this, is on Monday he told one daughter, he said, invite a girl, a friend home from school, and if you want to invite her family, come to dinner at 5 o'clock. We're done at 6.30, but be here at 5. Tell them there's nothing, they don't need to bring anything. That's on Monday, he told that to one daughter. On Tuesday, he said, bring home a friend. You invite her family or just a friend? That's on Tuesday night. On Wednesday night, his wife, hey, go invite a friend home, bring the family or not, just a friend, doesn't matter. Come home, we'll have dinner, 5 to 6.30. Thursday night, his night. He invites a friend from the community, brings the family. They have dinner four nights in a row. And I can just, I can see the tension in some of you just going, hey, we, we don't even have four nights for us. They canceled proc soccer, soccer practices. They canceled teams. They canceled other things in their life because they said, this is the most vital and the most important. Four nights out of the week and they weren't done. Friday night was date night. He and his wife went out. The kids got to eat popcorn, whatever they wanted. Saturday night. The family invited another person. Sunday night, he's a mission plant pastor. They, they had services at night, uh, and so they spent their Sundays with the congregation. They did it for 15 years. Sacrificing time and money. And at first he said it was hard because the girls would come in and go, Dad, we don't have any family time. 
So occasionally they would come in, Dad, can we just have family night on Tuesday night? I don't want to invite a friend. I just want it. And he goes, yeah, sure. And occasionally they would do that. The kids would come in, right? And, and they'd have family night. And then by the next week, he's like, do you want to continue to just have family night? Or do you want to invite somebody? Well, a friend of mine at school today was really hurting. And I thought, you know, there is no better place than for our friend to be here. See, she quit thinking about herself. And she quit thinking about even the needs of the family. And they said, what does somebody else need? And they put it in action. Friends in Christ, the holy word of God, boldly proclaimed by Paul in Rome, the extension of God's earthly kingdom came with this message. Be hearing, be seeing, and be doing. By the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.